You can go. Are you got something else to say? Right back there. Get on back there with them. Hey, you never know. Kids hanging around, they may want to say something. I'm all for it. I'm waiting for day one of our young ones to say, hey, preacher, I got something to say. I'll sit down. Hallelujah. All right. So last week, we talked about redemption, restructure, and obedience. Today, I want to talk a little bit about vision and focus. What we're going to focus on and what we're going to in, in some of the vision that we're going to do. Now, remember, there's some things that we're restructuring around here. We're going to do some things different. We're going to do some things new. Some old things may pass away. Because one thing you got to understand about the Lord, the Lord is a God of seasons. And sometimes you get going on something, and it's really good, but then the season for that is over, and you've got to know when it's time to prune it. Because if you don't prune it, then there's you're stumped to grow. And... That's another way that religion can get in. We've done it this way. This is the way we've always done it. This way we've always got to do it. And that's just the way it's going to have to be. I am not a religious guy. However, I will say I can have religious tendencies. It's really easy to do things because when you get comfortable with something, you're familiar with it and it's easy to do. And, hey, I kind of like this. I'm familiar with it. God in 2020 is stretching you. I know he's stretching you because I know what he's doing to me. I mean, I'm screaming. Eh! I'm feeling like I'm coming apart at the seams because he's, he's expanding things. He's doing some things. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the focus that we're going to have this year. But I want to talk a little bit about, first, our vision. But I'm going to say a couple of things first. If you want to be a disciple of Christ, you need to have a desire. I don't know anywhere, I have never read anywhere in the Bible that, that uh, you know, Jesus went to the disciples and he said, follow me. He didn't beg them. They followed him. Even when everybody else left him, they stayed. You want to be a true disciple of Christ, you have to be a willing disciple. You know, people are, are complaining about where they're at, this, that, the other. Um. One of the, there's two things that I believe that we have a real problem with on this planet right now, and it, and it is, and I don't care what you say, it's in the church. There's two things that we have absolutely lost. Honor and submission. Now, where does that start? Submitting to Christ and honoring him. But you also, and I know this sounds self-promoting, you also need to honor and, and submit to those that God has placed over you. You know that I am accountable for you. Now, not for what you do, but for how I train you, what I teach you, what I say. From the, I'm accountable for that. I take that extremely seriously. So when somebody comes to me and says, you know what, I think we should do this. I appreciate your input, and it may be very good, and we may very well do that. I'll pray about that. But I have to be obedient to Christ. And so when your pet calf gets cut away, and we're not doing it anymore, and you get all upset, it isn't because I don't like your pet calf. It's because I'm trying to be obedient to Christ. Because, you know, God's looking at me saying, this is what I need you to do, son, and, and are you going to do it? Or are you not going to do it? Are you going to look at the faces of people and have them upset with you? Or 
I'd much rather have you upset with me than the Lord. I don't know about you. I've been to his woodshed before. I don't want to go back. <laughs> you, and the other, th- the other part of the, that is, you are being discipled by something or someone all the time. It depends on what you choose to allow to be disciple. Here's the other thing. You can't disciple someone, or you can't disciple someone that doesn't have the desire, but you can't disciple someone if you're not a disciple. How can somebody tell somebody about the issues they're having in life, or how do you even know you're hearing from God if you're not a disciple of Christ? And being a disciple of Christ means you're in the Word, that means you're praying, that means you're in worship, that means you're in godly fellowship. Notice I said godly fellowship. It's amazing to me, and, and I'm not trying to be mean, but let's be real. This is 2020, and I want everybody to survive. And so the game plan is over. It's time to get real. Are you a true disciple? That's a question you have to ask. I know this. I've had people come to me and tell me, this is what I'm doing. And I'm going, that is a huge mistake. You try to tell them it's a huge mistake, they don't want to hear that. I'll pull them out of the ditch down the road because I love them. It would have been easier. Do you know I'm a man that submitted? I am under authority. I have a pastor that I talk to regularly, that I say, correct me, fix me, tell me. I run things by him. I'm submitted to that. You've got to have some kind of leadership in your life, spiritual leadership. You need a pastor. So what is our vision? To know him, and I'm talking about Jesus, knowing Jesus, and making Jesus known. Now, one of the things, it's very interesting to me because I know when I upset people because somebody comes to me upset, and then pretty soon, a couple of weeks, they're having a meeting in the lobby there, and they're all upset, and they're making disciples of themselves. Because here's the thing. When somebody gets offended... Here's what offense does. Offense looks around the church for other people that are offended or that they can get on their side. And then pretty soon, you're making disciples, folks, whether you believe it or not. And then pretty soon, a whole section just takes off. We're gone. We're offended. Well, how did that happen? You made disciples. Your discipleship ends at Jesus. That's what you need to be discipling people. Jesus and his ways and his word. Not your thoughts, not your ideas, not your pet this, not your pet that. Disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ and everything that his word. Now, you may not agree with some of the things that we do or that I do. We're going to have disagreements. We're different people. We see things differently. It's okay. But the Bible is is what we want to do. This is the disciples we need to make. Our opinions make disciples. They do, and, and you got to be careful with your opinions. Mighty quiet in this charismatic church all of a sudden. <laughs> Praise God. All right. So what is the vision? To know him and make him known, and I'm going to confess to you. How do you make someone know that you don't know? How do you make him known if you don't know him? Because, again, I used this example last week. My wife and I have been married a long time. If some, if all of a sudden the spirit came to me and said, you need to find another woman, how would I know 
that that's not the Spirit of God. Because I know the Bible. And I've got lots of Bible people around me that would slap me in the head. Amen. I've got good elders who would say, Pastor, you've lost your mind. My wife would be the first line of defense. Okay, I'm going to give you, and listen, I'm not trying to judge and I'm not bad-mouthing anybody. One of the biggest churches in the state of Michigan, the pastor got a hold of this revelation that there was no hell. I'm not kidding you. Well, now, the church dwindled down to nothing, and he's now out in Los Angeles doing talk show with Oprah Winfrey. Okay? But that went through the body of Christ. There is no hell. There is no hell. Do you know that Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven? He did. Do you know, and, and again, I, I get very concerned. How is it that people can sit under the Bible teaching, and, and I feel like we do a pretty good job of teaching the Bible around here. I'm not a great deep theologian, but we teach the principles of how you're supposed to live in this. I don't understand how somebody can sit under that and go out and do whatever they want to do, thinking it is okay and justified. I don't understand that. Tell me how 900 people moved to Guyana with Jim Jones when years before they ever left, he was off of his rocker, biblically, not even close. How does that happen? He made disciples. Well, it's a deception. We know that. And the Bible says, be not deceived. How, does that, how do you not be deceived? You've got to stay in the word. You've got to stay in prayer. You've got to. I am challenging you. 2020 is about personal responsibility for your Christianity. Do not blame me because you're in a mess because you chose to live the way you wanted to live. Well, that church just doesn't do any good for anybody. Stop right there. Look in the mirror and say, this church. Bingo. So when you look in the mirror, you say the church isn't getting it done. Look in the mirror when you say that. Personal responsibility. It is your responsibility. And gosh, I'm not wanting to be mean. It's your responsibility to pray. It is your responsibility to read this word and to study this word. It is your responsibility to worship and honor God. And I'm going to talk about money here a minute. People don't want to honor God with their money. My money's my money. Okay, then you've just shut off one avenue of blessing from the Lord. You're talking an awful lot about money, preacher. Yeah, yeah money's real. <laughs> All right, so to know him, we're going to have to now, um, let's just pretend, I don't know if all of you do or not, let's just pretend, college students, probably not, you go out to eat once a week, out to dinner, boyfriend, girlfriend, friend, somebody takes you out to dinner once a week, you have a fabulous meal. That's all you eat all week. How, how much do you think you could concentrate to study? How long do you think you could last at the work? On, how, how long do you think, how many days could you go with that one meal working the way you guys work? Yeah, you'd be starving by 8 o'clock a.m. the very next day. I know. <laughs> right? Now, and so guess what? You'd be weak, your immune system would be low, and you'd be sick. That's what would happen. But yet, 
Spiritually, we treat God the same way. I come to church once a week, I get fed. I'm good for the week. No, you are not. Who feeds you the rest of the week if you don't go out to dinner that night? You do, don't you? You go to the kitchen. Me, I'm blessed. My wife goes to the kitchen, but I'm getting fed three, four, five, six times, seven times a day with snacks in between. But by golly, I come in and I get the gourmet meal once a week, and I'm good. Personal responsibility. It's something that is absolutely lost in the world, and it's infiltrated the church. It can't happen. You have to be responsible. You have to be responsible. See, our vision, know him and make him known. How do you make him known if you don't know him? People come to me and they say, well, God told me this. I'm like, there's no possible way. That's not the character of Christ. I know the character of Christ. And that's not, how do you know the character of Christ? Because I read my Bible. No, I didn't just read it once and put it away and that's it. Yeah, I studied it and went over and over and over. And when I had problems, I went to the Bible and I found the solution and saying, oh, you're stupid, Scout. What are you doing? The Bible says do this and I'm doing that. And I guess what I did? I corrected myself. I've repented before. Do you know that? I believe I've stood in this pulpit and repented to people. I, I have Repentance is not a big deal to me. I want to be right. There's three aspects to knowing him. Prayer. And there's three aspects of the prayer. Personal prayer, there's corporate prayer, and there's intercessory prayer. There's more prayers than that, but those are the three I'm going to talk about. Okay? One of the things we want to do corporately, they're going to come in and they do their worship sets and they do the rehearsals, but at, what did we decide? 11 o'clock? 10.50? they're done? I want people praying at the altar, praying. Walk around praying in tongues. Pray over the service. We're going to get some things rolling here. Pray over you. If you don't have anything you can think of to pray with, for the love of God, pray for me. Pray for me. Because I pastor you. Kidding. I love pastoring churches. I love this church. I, I pastor the two greatest churches in the state of Michigan. Me and Doc Barkey were just having an argument about that the other day. He, he thinks that he does, but we know the truth. He'll, he'll catch up. Because I, wanna, I, want this, I want prayer going on here. Because you don't know what prayer might do. Somebody comes in, they're bummed out. Just the prayer and the presence of God being here, man. It's, this is a house of prayer. We, we're going to get back to that. That is going to be a focus this year. Prayer. And not just corporate prayer. You need to be praying. We're going to have teams. I'm not calling them prayer teams. I'm calling them healing teams. You need healing? You can call some of these people. They know how to pray for healing. I don't care if you don't believe it. They'll believe it enough for you. Because we are starting to see the shakings of some miracles. This young man's mother had a miracle. Just had a, uh, we got a call earlier this week, a gal, um, niece in Cedarville Church. had some. She was on a ventilator. They didn't think she was going to make it. We started praying. They said, if she gets off a ventilator, it'll be months, three days. 
and she's on a CPAP, not a ventilator. This gal's testimony said, I see, I see the power of prayer. Okay? So that's the type of people we are. But you got to hear from the Lord, and you got to be, it's got to be Bible based, or else you, then you get goofy and flaky and stupid, and then we're not going to have that here. It's going to be Bible. Now, it may look funny to you. It may look funny, but I'll take results anytime. I'm going to tell you something. There's a few people in this church that if I was sick or dying, I'd call them because they're like dogs with a bone. They won't let it go until you decide you're just going to die on your own or you're going to get healed. Or, and they won't stop. Maybe you're going to have to send them a message to heaven. You can stop now. I'm good. And it's okay. That's not goofy. That's Bible. So, I'm hitting a whole bunch of stuff today. I don't know what this has to do with, but it's it's all free. The offering's already been taken, so. But we're restructuring some things. We might restructure the way we do our service. We may have we may do tithes and offerings at the very beginning and have you bring them up and get that kind of out of the way. But I will. I am going to talk about tithes and offerings. Biblically, down the road, not because I'm after your money, but I want you blessed. And that is, if you're not tithing, I believe you're putting a cork in one of the avenues that God can get finances and other things into your life. It's not all about money. There's other areas of your life. You know, you reap and you sow. You sow and you reap. So again, don't leave here saying, well, he's just, it's all about money, 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 money. No, it's not. It's about blessing. I don't need your money. You need to give for, for your sake. So we're going to restructure some things. The other thing of knowing him, you've got to know the word and worship. I beat that horse, so we're good. We can move on. Let me get to some scripture verses. John 10, 27 through 30. My sheep, my sheep, my sheep hear my voice. If you don't know him, how do you know you're hearing him? How can you discern between, because I'll tell you what, some of you, God's voice sounds an awful lot like yours. Do you know his voice? How do you know his voice? Now, it may sound like your voice is head, but I know if it lines up with the word of God, then I'm good. It may sound like my voice, but if it lines up with the word of God in this Bible, then I'm good. My voice sometimes sounds contrary to the word of God, and I know that's not his voice. And guess what? Not only do they hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. Wow. They shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. That's the kind of know him I want to know him. And then what are we going to do? We're going to make him known. In Mark 16 and verse 15. And he said to them, now anytime you see in the Bible where it says go, you is implied. Because immediately we read this and we say, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, great. She'll go and he's supposed to go. No, you. You go. That would be you and me. I'm involved in that. 
but you. And I'm going to talk a little bit about how we need to do that. Okay? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So to make him know some of the things we're going to do around here this year, this is an evangelistic tool. Understand what I'm saying. We want to have movie night. We'll have a family movie night. We'll, we'll have a game night. All for the purpose of what? Bring your next door neighbor. You bring your heathen next door neighbor with you. Just have some fun at the church. We're doing the, you know, it's not a religious churchy thing. It's a relationship. Huh? There you go. You know how you know you, you know you go to those things, you donate a can, you can get in free. You donate a body, we'll let you in. Yeah. Yeah, here, make, yeah, make sure they're breathing. Yeah, bring someone. Because, because I'm going to talk about making him known, and I'm going to talk about discipleship in a minute. Go into all the world. In Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go, you go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All right? Now, do you know that you are the biggest influence on whether or not people come into the kingdom and to the church. You are the biggest influence. It's not, well, you got to come and hear this fancy preacher. You know why they're coming to hear the fancy preacher? Because of the relationship they have with you. This next wave of evangelism that's going to take place, I believe the next, this next great harvest is going to come through personal relationships that you have with people that you have influenced that are going to follow you to the house. I always wondered, how was it that Billy Graham... Now, Billy Graham, one of the most powerful evangelists this nation's ever produced, right? But I have to say, he wasn't the most flowery speaker I've ever heard. You know? He wasn't the greatest preacher. You know, I've heard some... I never understood how he could do this. Make a commitment for Christ. 5,000 people rushed to the altar. So when I was traveling and preaching, I would go, make a commitment for Christ. And that was the response I would get. I'm like, what is he talking? What's he doing? But see, here's what Billy Graham did. He'd go into a region a year before he was going to do a crusade. He'd get 25 churches together, and he would tell every person in that church, you pick five people, pray about five people that you would like to get saved this year. Five. Then, take them out to dinner. Get to know them. Fellowship with them a little bit. Doesn't mean keep it appropriate, but, you know, influence them. All with the purpose of getting them to that meeting. And then a gift of evangelism. Something sparks. They come up, and guess what? When they get born again, the discipleship is right there with them. They came with their friend. The follow-up is already there. We don't need a follow-up program. What we need is people getting involved in people's lives. There's the follow-up. And that, my friends, is all of our job, not just the preacher. I'm to equip you to do the work of the ministry. 
And that's part of the work. So we need to go, understand, we need, you need to be an influence in where the people God has you around. I hate my job, I hate my job, I hate my job. Okay, hate your job, believe God for a better job, but influence people while you're at that job in the circle of influence that you have. Because if you influence that circle and you influence your circle, pretty soon the circles are going to be overlapping. And we're going to cover a whole region. Instead, we say, well, we'll wait for the evangelist to come to win people to the Lord. The evangelist doesn't win them to the Lord. You do. He just sparks something in them that the Holy Spirit uses to draw them. You've done all the work. When I traveled and people got saved, I'd say, thank you, Jesus, because it wasn't my work. Somebody else did the work. Somebody else did the plowing. Somebody else did the planting. I was blessed enough to be able to see the harvest. So we have work to do. And you're saying, well, I don't think I can do that. Acts 1-7. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times of the season which the Father has put in his own authority. And then verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That word power means the ability. He has given us the ability and the strength. You know that word witness? You're not going to like this. It means martyr. To be a martyr for Christ. To bear witness to, 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 fest, to, to testify to. Now, a martyr is a person who is put to death or endures great suffering on behalf of any belief, principle, or cause. We have the power. Columbine High School started this whole school mass shooting. One little girl, under her desk, they came in, stuck a shotgun in her face, and said, and they knew her, she was a Christian. Oh, you're one of those that believe in Jesus? You know what she said? Yes, I do. Bang. She's in heaven. Now, you know what? Her name's gone around the world. But here's the thing. She had the power and the ability at that moment to still confess Christ. But we get shook up because somebody might give us a dirty look. Or somebody might get mad at you. I'm past all that because people are mad at me all the time. So it doesn't matter. It might as well be mad at me for telling the truth. Jesus loves you. I saw a manifestation of a demon. Because I'll tell you, around this crowd, a demon very... Demon better not manifest because it's going away. I'm just saying. You don't believe in demons? I'm going to take you on a couple missions trips with me. Clear, you don't even really have to go to the mission field. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, yeah. Find them in Burger King. <clears throat> All right. Now, we need to go. Now, disciples. Here's the thing about disciples. Disciples and disciples honor. Making disciples through relationship. Here's another big one, and I'm getting ready to close. Um, Tom, Eugene, I want you guys beside me to escort me out the back. <laughs> one of the biggest hindrances to discipleship and evangelism is lifestyle. 
there is a saying that has absolutely comes from the pits of hell that parents have said to children for centuries. Do as I say and not as I do. Excuse me? That's like me saying, you people, you do what the Bible says, but me, I'm going to go live however I want to live. No. It should be, do, do as I do. And when I make a mistake, forgive me. Do you know how many times I have had to stand with my children and repent to them? Daddy blew it. Forgive me. Because guess what? We've got to train children that, you know what, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes, but it's okay to make a mistake because you can say, forgive me, and you will be forgiven. Because my children were held to a standard. When they didn't meet it, they got disciplined. They need Every time it was okay, ask for forgiveness. Why? Because then I can forgive them, and they're free, they're clear, there's no guilt hanging over them. It was done from the minute I said, you are forgiven. We don't talk about it anymore. It's finished. But the same thing. And well, what if they do the same thing? Seven times 70? The ring a bell? Yeah, that's 490. A day. A day. See, he thought he was real spiritual. Should I forgive him three times? He said seven times 70. I think I was talking to somebody, they broke it down, and that's like, that's asking forgiveness or forgiving someone every minute and a half in a 24-hour day. That's a whole lot of forgiveness for the, for the same thing. It's a lifestyle. Listen, the day we're living in, people don't want to hear what you have to say until they see what you do. I could tell you I am a fabulous carpenter. Say, okay, well, I'm going to hire you to build my house. That would be a huge mistake. <laughs> Have you ever seen me build anything? I can put two sticks together. All this, this plum square stuff, I don't know much about that. All I know is that if, you ever, if you're a drywaller, you may, have to, you, you may have to repent for the words that come out of your mouth because of framers. Because when, when it's not, when the framing's not square, it shows in the drywall. And these poor drywallers, man, I know that there were some guys who were after me when I was working construction. We'd frame and get out of Dodge. <laughs> no, not really. Our lifestyle has to be a witness. Our, our lifestyle will help you make disciples. If you don't know what to do or what to say, be a Christian. Let them see that. Don't be afraid to make mistakes and blow it. But don't be afraid to repent. It's the worst thing in the world. When you're in a position of authority and it's like, you're going to do this and oops, I blew it. Well, you know what? You're just going to have to get over it. No. This is a year of personal responsibility for your walk with the Lord. And I'm going to help you all along. You are going to hear, you are going to hear you're probably going to get sick of hearing, be obedient, be obedient, be obedient, be obedient, be obedient to the word. And also, be submissive to the one that has authority over you spiritually. Now, that goes for anybody here that calls me pastor. 
You have to submit to me as your pastor. Can't make you, nor will I. There's people that come to this church, but I'm not their pastor. And there's people, you know, and we've got some people in this church that are very bold, very strong Christian people. They're as submitted as they can be. You choose that. I don't choose that. I'm not going to make anybody do anything. Submission isn't a dirty word. We've tried to make it that way. Wives, submit to your husband. Why ain't no man going to tell me what to do every day, every day, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> well, next month we're going to start some men's discipleship classes, and I'll tell you why that's a stupid, that's a stupid word. Any, any woman that has a godly man would have no problem submitting to that because it's a godly thing. He's not under your, he, she's not under his thumb trying, you're, you, you serve me. No, if you read it right, you're going to be serving her. That's right. So let's get our doctrine straight. Um, and I didn't announce that, but I will when I'm done because I'm getting done. All right, right here. So your lifestyle, that makes a big difference. Big difference. See, we receive the power. We have the ability. It's time to go and do it. So our focus is going to be studying the word corporate. We're going to have uh, some life groups. We're going to do the Sunday school for the word of God. Um, we're going to, you know, we'll have life groups going on. We're going to, uh, one of our focuses is going to be the youth this year, supporting that, making that happen. Um, healing teams, pre-service prayer. So as we go, we'll unfold some of these things. I don't know where anywhere in the Bible where it says you get to retire or you just get to sit around and do nothing. I'm going to tell you right now, this ministry, in order to grow, we need help. We need everybody active doing something. All of us could use Sunday school teachers, nursery workers, you know? Well, maybe... Listen, if, they, if you want to work with the kids in any way, shape, or form, we're going to do a background check on you. That's not a bad thing. Oh, well, I was 18 years old, man. And I got, I got, I got, yeah, I got, I got caught. I had a drink, man. They gave me a DUI. I was 18 years old, underage drive. That's not what we're looking for in a background check. Understand that. I won't even let you know what my history was. Okay. But we need to, we need people involved in every single area of ministry. But be humble enough to do whatever God has you to do. Or if the pastor or somebody, one of the team leaders in the department needs something in action, be humble enough. Well, I'm not called to that. I'm supposed to be on the worship team. Well, if you're here for long enough and you're qualified and, and you go through some things, then maybe because nobody... Just don't throw anybody up on the platform and give a place of authority with a voice. That wouldn't be smart. I've been on worship teams. You have to be a spiritual person because musicians are different types of people. I guess that's the way I should put that. God bless them. Yes. And again, it's not that they're not getting along, but musicians are, are different, a different cat. Praise God. So, all right. Let me just finish.
finish with one more announcement. Um, we've been doing the we've been doing a men's fellowship meal back and forth between Cedarville and for, for but the Lord instructed me this year that we are we won't be hosting those anymore. They're going to go on. There's going to be some other people that are going to do that. They're going to host it in other places because what God has put on my heart is to take the men in this church. We're going to do it here. And then the church in men in Cedarville, it's going to be separate. You can bounce if you want to, but we're going to do one there and one here. Specifically for the men in our church to disciple them. Some of the things like, what does a man of God look like in 2020? What's he supposed to look like? What does a man of God look like in the church? What does that look like? What do we as men struggle with? Let's get down to the nitty gritty. I'm struggling with this. Okay, what does the Bible say? What can we confess over you? We got guys that are hurting. Okay, why are you hurting? Let's deal with that. Let's get you delivered. Okay, this is a discipleship thing. It's very, it's going to be intimate. It's going to be powerful. And, and before anybody goes out there and you hear the craziness, because it doesn't matter what decision I make, somebody isn't happy and they spin this thing. It has nothing to do other than I am completely obeying Christ in this. This is what God has told, because this is what the Lord told me specifically. I called you to disciple the men I have under you. I can't disciple the guy down the street in his church. That's okay. At least for this year, what God has called me to. And so the men in this church, we're going to set a date. We'll announce it'll be sometime in February. We're going to get together, and it's not going to be a long, drawn-out thing. We're going to sit down. I might have some coffee for you, maybe a donut. We're going to sit down, and we're going to get to business. We're going to open the Bible, and we're going to say, hey, what does this look like? Where am I falling short? How can you help me? I want you guys to get to know my heart. I want to get to know you so that we can, so the men of the church can rise up and lead this thing. Amen? And ladies... Be praying for us. Be praying for us men. Because men in this nation right now have a huge identity crisis. We don't know who we are. We don't know what we're supposed to be. In the 70s, you had to be macho man. You know, in the 80s, you had to be Rambo. In the 90s, you had to be Clint Eastwood. 2000s, we don't know what we are. No, we're going to find out what men of God are, what they're supposed to be. Amen? Okay. So that was my public service announcement. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray over the food out there and get your money and get lined up and go eat some Indian tacos. One's good, two's better. <laughs> Listen, um, I know that today I might have been a little punchy with some things. I won't apologize. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm not an arrogant man, anybody that really knows me. But I absolutely want us to make it. I want this church to be what God's called it to be. This church, and I know probably every pastor in the region says this, I truly believe this church is a key to this region. Where else are you going to go where somebody will believe for your healing? Like a bulldog. <laughs> and that's not a bad term, by the way. It's a good thing. Father, we thank you. I pray, Lord, everybody had ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord was saying, Lord. I come against any offense right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, as we go forward.
Lord, we are restructuring things according to your will and your word and your way by your direction. I thank you, Lord, that you are bringing people into this church that want to get hooked up, get involved, from door greeters to Sunday school to whatever area of ministry. Lord, that we will have a ministry of absolute excellence in Christ. Lord, and we will be great at the things that you've called us to do and those things you haven't, we'll let those go. I ask for your blessings on the food in the back. Bless the hands that prepared it. I thank you, Lord, that we'll reap an abundant harvest from this so that we can get some things accomplished in this building. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday afternoon. Go get something to eat.